This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Today, we are concluding a series of messages that we've called Seek First. It comes from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where Jesus tells us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to us as well. So for the last uh, nine weeks, we've explored what it looks like to put Jesus first in all kinds of areas of our life. What's it look like to put him first in our thoughts? What's it look like to put him first in our experience of community? What does it look like to put him first at work, in our time, in our faith, in our dating relationships, in our marriages, in all of these and more? And each week, we've tried to give you sound biblical principles for if you apply these truths, you will put Jesus first in your thoughts, in your work, in your time, in your home, and all of these places. Now, if you're like me, there's, there's nothing you love more than a good list. And I know some of you are like that. I've heard some of you have the same sickness I do where you'll make a to-do list that's half full of things you've already done just so you can cross them off before you get started on the real things. Um, and so if, if you're a list-oriented person, for the last 10 weeks, you've loved it because you've been given lists. Do this to put Jesus first. Do this to put him first in your thoughts. Do this to put him first at work. Do this to put him first in your finances. And it's all wonderful and it's exciting. Uh, but, but if we're not careful, what happens is we finish 10 weeks of messages and we have 10 long lists. And then we add those to all the other lists that we already have in life. And, and eventually it gets to this point where you figure out, I can't do everything on my list. If all I focus on is, is trying to put Jesus first all the time in everything I do, then it's hard for me to actually get anything done. And so, so what I don't want to happen is I don't want to come to the end of a message of a series like this and have you walk out feeling like, well, that was a heavy, heavy burden that was laid on me that I have no hope of ever living in the reality of. And so what I want to finish this with this morning is this idea of we're all going to come to a point when we're trying to seek Jesus first where we're going to cry out for help. And we're going to say, Lord, it's a long list, and I can't do it all, and I'm trying my best, but I keep messing it up. Lord, I need your help. And what we're going to see today is to seek Jesus first, is to receive the help he offers. And the help Jesus offers is the Holy Spirit. So to seek Jesus first is to seek the Holy Spirit. To do that, we're going to look at three passages of Scripture today. We'll begin in John chapter 16 where Jesus talks to us about why he's sending the Holy Spirit to us. Then we'll go to Acts chapter 19, and we'll talk about what it looks like when we receive the Holy Spirit. And finally, we'll look at Galatians chapter 5, and what the Apostle Paul tells us is the result of living with the Spirit and receiving the gift of the Spirit. Okay, so um, kind of a, a disclaimer from the start. I know when you mention the Holy Spirit, uh, different people have different ideas and opinions. So, so you might have grown up like I did. I grew up in churches that always embraced and emphasized the work of the Holy Spirit. And I am deeply appreciative of that. But I've seen some weird stuff. And when weird stuff happens in churches, we just blame it on the Holy Spirit and we move on with our day. All right? And, and so if that's you and you're already like, I don't know about this, like, the hand raising and all that, you're already pushing me to my limits, and now we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit like you're that church full of weird people who do weird things, and when do the snakes come out, um, right? And so, so just kind of, I, I want to assure you, calm down a little bit. What we're going to see this morning is the Holy Spirit's a gift from Jesus. We're just, we're just going to turn to the scriptures and say, what do they say, and what does that mean for us? 
Okay, I would also assure you, if I've been in those churches and I've seen the weird stuff, and oftentimes it's just people that are weird. It's not the Holy Spirit. He just, right, the same way that you go to a family reunion, there's crazy people there. You don't stop being part of the family. You just know everybody has a crazy uncle. Everybody has a crazy aunt. Everybody has a crazy cousin. And if you're here and thinking, no, I don't, you're it. Like, that's, that's what they all feel. Like, yeah, that guy, he's here again, right? So, so we all have that. We've all had those experiences. The Holy Spirit doesn't make people weird. The Holy Spirit doesn't make people mean. The Holy Spirit doesn't make people out of control. The Holy Spirit doesn't make people bad with the scriptures. The Holy Spirit doesn't make people manipulative. The Holy Spirit doesn't do any of these things. And so what we're going to see this morning is what Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit what it looks like when we receive the Holy Spirit, and what the end result is in our life. And then we're going to finish just by praying simple prayers of come Holy Spirit in my heart, in my life, in our church, and in our world. Okay, so John chapter 16 is where we're going to start. Jesus is speaking to the disciples about some difficult seasons that they're about to go through. And right after he tells them about how hard life is going to get, he tells them, very truly I tell you, It is good for you that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he... The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Okay, so just very quickly, the the first thing Jesus is telling us is we need the Holy Spirit. That that if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to need the Holy Spirit to do so. And he does it in a really interesting way. He tells the disciples, truly I tell you, it's good, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so, so let's just consider for a moment what that means. Jesus is telling the disciples who have an experience of Jesus that you and I all long for. I mean, how many of us, if you're honest, you don't have to raise your hand, but you've ever at least thought in your mind, life would be so much easier if Jesus just walked with me. If, I mean, it, you know what? If Jesus was with me when life is hard, I'd probably keep my mouth shut a lot more. If Jesus sat next to me in the hospital room, it'd be easier to believe that he has a plan and he's with me. If Jesus was with me when I don't know what to do, I could just turn to him and be like, what do I do? And he would tell me right? He would drive the car. He would fill out the resume. He would apply for the job. He would manage the finances. It, it just, life seems like it would be better if Jesus was physically present with you all the time. That's the experience the disciples had of him. And yet, as Jesus is telling them, hey, just so you know, life's going to get hard. They're going to arrest you. They're going to think that if they're treating you wrongly, they're doing a service to God. And hey, by the way, it's for your good in the season that I'm going away. It doesn't make any sense at all. There is no relationship in your life that you would go to someone and say, I've decided the thing that's going to make us closer, make us love each other more, make us communicate better, is if I leave. Right? Try that in your marriage. Honey, I figured it out. 
I want us to be close. I want us to be connected. What God has joined together, no one could separate. I bought a house out of state. I'm going to move there. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. But we're going to be closer than we've ever been. Like it, it doesn't work in any capacity. And, and yet, Jesus is telling the disciples, it's for your good. Because when I go away, then the advocate, the spirit will come. And what Jesus is promising is anytime he leaves, he sends someone better. And the someone that he sends is the Holy Spirit to us, which means for us as followers of Jesus, he's not physically present with us, so we need the Holy Spirit in us. And he's promised that that will be our experience. So, so again, I, I don't know what your experience is with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you grew up in a church where you thought the Trinity was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures because they were so scared of the Holy Spirit that he never got mentioned. I don't know if it's a completely foreign concept to you. What I want you to know today, though, is Jesus loves you. He has a plan for you. He died for your sins. He wants to live in your life and lead every moment of every day, and he intends to do it through the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of you. This is God's plan. So if other people have got it weird or got it wrong, it does not exempt us from submitting ourselves to God's plan. And God's plan is for me, for you, for everyone who says yes to Jesus to be full of the Holy Spirit and to walk in his power every day. Now, Jesus is going to lay out for us exactly what the Spirit does, but I want us to pay attention to that phrase, that, that title he gives to the Spirit. In other passages, the Holy Spirit is called the comforter, the counselor, the helper. In this passage, he's called the advocate. And the, the Greek word that's used there, it, it is a legal term used to describe uh, somebody who represents another in a court case. So think of a prosecutor. The prosecutor represents the state in the court. They're representing their affairs, they're representing their interests, they're advocating for the truth of what they believe. And so what Jesus is telling us is when he leaves, the Holy Spirit comes as an advocate who advocates for the purposes and plans of Jesus, both in the world and in our lives personally. And the first thing he tells us is that the Spirit will come and he will advocate against sin and for righteousness. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness in and judgment. So what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit comes, and he comes into a world that is at odds with God. He comes into a world where Jesus has laid down his life as a sacrifice for our sins, where he has been raised to new life and offers that space to us all. And now the Holy Spirit comes, and he begins to work and to move in each one of us. If you've said yes to Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit worked in your life to do these things. It was the Holy Spirit who revealed and convicted you of sin. It was the Holy Spirit who revealed and drew you to the righteousness of Christ. It was the Holy Spirit who revealed and helped you understand the significance of that decision, that there is a judgment coming, and for those who accept Christ, they have no need to fear, and for those who reject Christ, they should be scared of everything. It's the Spirit who accomplishes that work inside of us. So what that means when we seek Jesus first is not just that the Spirit comes and advocates against sin and for righteousness in the moment of our salvation, but he continues to do that in every moment of our sanctification. 
And our sanctification is just that process of being made like Jesus. So if I want to seek Jesus first in my marriage, as we talked about last week, then I have to surrender to the presence of the Holy Spirit to advocate against sinful things that would tear apart my marriage and to advocate, advocate for righteous things that would unite me to my wife in marriage. And the Spirit does this in marriage and in every other area of life. He comes and tells us there is a way that leads to life and there is a way that leads to death. And in this moment, we're going to walk the path that leads to life. You need the Spirit because you're not always smart enough to know the difference yourself. You need the Spirit because no one can lie to you more convincingly than you can lie to yourself. And so the Spirit comes. And he tells us the truth about sin, about righteousness, about judgment. Jesus also tells us the Holy Spirit advocates for truth. It says in John 16, 13, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Again, so, so different thoughts about the Holy Spirit of like, oh, it's weird. It's emotional. I don't know if I want that. I, I saw one person one time. I, I don't know. But we all want truth. We want to know that we're walking in the way. We want to know that we're on the narrow road that leads to life and not the broad road that leads to destruction. And what Jesus says is it's the Spirit who comes and leads us into all truth. And the first truth he leads us into is that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And then he leads us into every other truth in life. This is what's true about your investments of time. This is what's true about the sins that you've committed. This is what's true about that false guilt the enemy keeps attacking you with. This is what's true about your identity. This is what's true about your calling. This is what's true about the season of sickness. This is what's true about your grief. This is what's true about your loss. In every moment, the Spirit speaks truth to us, and the truth he speaks is the power, the presence, the truth of Jesus. Christ himself. And again, we need this. And we would all say, yes, I, I need that, right? And, and this is where some in, in the church have tried to say, well, the, the Holy Spirit, that gets weird and uncomfortable, so we're just going to embrace the truth of Scripture. Well, bad news, if you're trying to avoid him, the Scripture is not the place to get away from the Spirit. The scriptures are spirit-inspired. The scriptures are spirit-delivered. It's the Holy Spirit that makes the scriptures come alive. That moment when you're reading it and you feel like, God wrote this just for me, that's the work of the Spirit in your life in that space. The Spirit leads you in truth. If you want to seek Jesus first, you have to seek the truth. And if you want to seek the truth, you need to seek the Spirit because he's the one who leads us into that. Jesus also tells us that the Spirit advocates for Jesus' glory. And he says in John 16, 14, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So we've tried to make this point obvious all through, through this series. Of, if you're going to seek Jesus first, his kingdom and his righteousness, then he says he'll take care of all of these other things as well. And so we want to make sure we're keeping those things in their proper perspective. We have a lot of other things we need Jesus to take care of, but I'm going to seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. Now, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that because what the Holy Spirit comes and constantly reminds us of is when we seek his kingdom and his righteousness and then he does all of these other things as well, he's doing all of these other things as well to glorify Jesus to us and through us. Right? That, that I do not seek Jesus first so that I can achieve a glory that's of my own. 
I don't seek Jesus first so I can get the wealth or the promotion or the relationship that will make other people want to look at me. I seek Jesus first and then he takes care of everything else. And what Jesus tells us is in that process, the spirit comes and he glorifies Jesus to us and through us in every single situation of life. So I can seek Jesus first because I trust in moments of need and loss and and, and just unwanted grief and sorrow, Jesus is going to be glorified. And I can seek Jesus first because I know on my greatest successes and on my highest mountaintops, he's going to be glorified. But I need the Holy Spirit to do that because we all have a natural bent to seek our own glory. I mean, the most introverted person in the room, you still want just a little bit of recognition and attention, right? Maybe more in a written form than a public, like face-to-face, but you still want it. We all want to be known at work as a person who gets it done. We want to be the best student. We want to be the best athlete. We want to be the best musician. We want to be the best husband, the best wife. We want to have the best kids. We want to have the nicest car, the nicest house. We want all of these other things, and in all of those, what we're really chasing is our own glory, and it's a temptation that never goes away. And so we need the Spirit to come and advocate for the glory of Jesus Christ in our life. And the Spirit comes and he's constantly lifting my eyes up and telling me all these other things that you're tempted to chase, they're temporary. They're just vapors in the wind. Don't give your identity to them, but instead live for and live in the glory of God. And when you live for and in the glory of God, then the most mundane things in your life suddenly drip with eternal significance because you know God is glorified in this space. God is glorified in this moment. And the Spirit not only glorifies Jesus, to the world around you, but he's glorifying Jesus to you, always lifting your eyes up from where you are unto who Jesus is and what he's doing in that moment. Then Jesus tells us the Spirit advocates for us to have it all. Now, kind of a, a word of warning. This is not like your name it and claim it. Yep, all right, Holy Spirit, give me the car. Give me the boat. Give me the girl in the car and the boat. Give me the house, give me the degree, give me that whatever it is. Like that, that's, not, that's not what he's saying. Listen to what Jesus says. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So what, what's really cool here and what I want us to pay attention to is Jesus is giving us a description of the Trinity. And he's showing us how this, this working together of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has a direct impact on our life. Now, when we think of the Trinity, we think of a big view of God. God the Father, the creator and sustainer of all things. God the Son, the sacrificial Savior who lays down his life for us, the resurrection and the life, the soon coming King. God the Holy Spirit, the power of God at work in our world to to, to help us fully and freely follow Jesus. And Jesus is saying, here's how this works. God the Father has given everything to me, God the Son. And as God the Son, I've given everything to the Holy Spirit. And as God the Holy Spirit, I'm giving everything to you. I mean, it's, like, it's really easy to read through that. But I, I want you to feel the weight of it. In one of the clearest descriptions of the Trinity that we have in Scripture you're invited in. So when we say the Holy Spirit advocates for you to have it all, it's not for you to have all this stuff. It's not for you to have all the other things. It's for you to have all that belongs to the Father. 
because that's what he gave to Jesus. And then that's what Jesus gives to the Holy Spirit and says, make this known to them. This is what it means to live life and life to the full. This is what it means for Jesus to be your good shepherd who leads you on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is what it means to trust that everything I need, he provides in an abundance. It's not that I always have all the stuff. It's that I always have all of the spirit. Everything God has, he gave to Jesus. Everything Jesus had, he shared with the spirit. And everything the spirit has, Jesus says, now share it with them. And so for you and I this morning, it's a recognition that if I want to know the Father, and if I want to walk with the Son, I need the Holy Spirit, because this is how God has designed himself to interact with me. And so, so this gift of the Holy Spirit is just a, a beautiful thing, and, and yet for, for many different reasons, sometimes we just haven't heard it, sometimes we just don't know it, sometimes we thought, I just, I prayed the sinner's prayer, and I thought that was it, Jesus be my Savior, and now I'm going to hold on till I die. But what we're learning from Jesus in John chapter 16, if we had time, we could, we could literally spend the whole afternoon talking about what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. But to sum it up, the Spirit is Jesus' gift to us, and we need the Holy Spirit to seek Jesus first. And to try to follow Jesus without surrendering to the ongoing power and presence of the Holy Spirit is, is to be like a boxer who's in the ring with one arm tied behind your back. You're in the fight, but you're getting beat around quite a bit. And for, for some of us, as we've worked through this series of seek Jesus first in your time, in your finances, in your thought life, in your marriage, in your faith, in your experience of community, it's hard because we're doing it all through our own strength. And so what I want to encourage you with today is Jesus never intended for you to exhaust yourself trying to follow him. But through the Holy Spirit, he gives you all the power you need to achieve everything he asks you to do. So the, the question then comes of, well, if this is the power that Jesus has for me, then how do I know when I've received the Holy Spirit? So let's look at Acts chapter 19. It's a story of the Apostle Paul. He's on one of his missionary journeys. In this, we're going to pick up the story. He's been in Corinth, planting the church there, and then he takes a trip over to Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is the church uh, that the letter of Ephesians will later be written to. So it will start in Acts 19, verse 1. And Paul says, or uh, we're told here, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So just, just so we understand what's going on, Paul is on a missionary journey. He travels to Ephesus. He finds a group of men who he at first thinks are Christians. And so his first question is not, have you followed Jesus? He assumes they kind of already have. His first question is, have you received the Holy Spirit? And so Paul seems to be operating with this idea of you can follow Jesus and then there's a, a second experience of the Spirit that is important and good for you to have. But the men reply, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. So Paul kind of stops and says, okay, let's go backwards. 
So he asks, what baptism have you received? They say, John's baptism. And he tells them, that's awesome. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, preparing you for the one who's coming after him, and that is Jesus. And then he tells them about Jesus, and the Spirit is working in their heart. They respond to Jesus. They take their place in the family of God. They receive their salvation, and they are baptized, it seems, in water. And then after that moment, it says, Paul placed his hands on them, and he prayed for them, and they received the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. So two things that I want you to notice here. First of all, if you follow Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. This Acts 19, the Holy Spirit part of the story does not start when they're filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues and prophesy. But the whole thing, it's the Spirit who inspires Paul to go to Ephesus. It's the Spirit who arranges this discussion between Paul and these 12 Ephesian men. It's the Spirit who inspires Paul to say, have you received the Holy Spirit? When they say no, it's the Spirit who speaks to Paul and says, back it up. And he goes back and he talks to him about John. And and what we know is it was the Spirit who was working through the message of John to draw these men to a place of repentance. And then when Paul tells them about Jesus, it's the Spirit who confirms the truth about who Jesus is, about sin and righteousness and judgment. All that what Jesus described in John chapter 16, the Spirit is doing through the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 19. And so then these men place their faith in Christ, and from beginning to end, their experience of salvation has been an experience of the working of the Spirit in their life to glorify Jesus and lift him up as the Savior that they need. And so if you're here this morning and you think, I love Jesus, I love God, I love the Scriptures, I'm not sure about the Holy Spirit. I've said yes to Jesus, but I I don't really know that I want to say yes to the Holy Spirit. My message to you is it's too late. He's already got you. You thought it was only the speaking in tongues and prophecy thing, but he snuck in there before you even knew what he was doing. He's the one who revealed your sin. He's the one who convicted you. He's the one who drew you to Jesus. He's the one who inspired the words of the person who spoke to you. He's the one who inspired the author of the book you read. He's the one who arranged the events of your life to you to, for you to be in the right place at the right time to hear the message of salvation. He's the one who filled your heart with enough faith for you to take that step of confession and repentance. He's the one that when you prayed for Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life, he's the one that confirmed I am now the son and the daughter of God. It was the Holy Spirit that bore witness with your spirit. To follow Jesus is to experience the Holy Spirit. So what that means is if you're a Christian, you're a Holy Spirit person. And if you don't like that, no one really cares. Because that's what the Bible says. And that's how Jesus works. And if you want to go have a talk with him later of Jesus, I'd like to be saved without the Holy Spirit. When he speaks back to you, that's the Holy Spirit too. You can't get away from him. You can't escape him. Why? Because Jesus says, I'm going away and I'm sending the Spirit. The way God communicates with his people is through the Holy Spirit. And so so what that means for us is we have the Spirit. And these men, they had the Spirit. And, And yet... We also see if you follow Jesus, there is more of the Holy Spirit. So as you read through the book of Acts, we see this pattern kind of going on and on in the early church. Uh, There are men and women who know Jesus, who have surrendered their lives to him, and yet they have these secondary or subsequent experiences to their salvation 
where they have a personal and powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit, it does not change their standing as the sons and daughters of God, but it increases their power to be his witnesses in the world, to operate in his gifts, and to display his fruit. And it's just a, hey, let's untie that hand and let's fight with both of them. Because this is how Jesus intends for you to follow him. So you can read through Acts, and and I'd encourage you, if if you're not sure about this, go through later and read through these ideas on your own. In Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus telling the disciples that they will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, 4, we see them in the upper room. The Spirit comes, and it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8 and 10.44 and 19.6, the same experience is described, but this time the phrase, the Holy Spirit came on them, is used. The, the phrasing is different to remind us of whether you call it being baptized in the Spirit, whether you call it being filled with the Spirit, or whether you call it the Holy Spirit coming on you, there is a personal, powerful, identifiable work of the Spirit in your life where you point to it and say, on that day, on that place, the Spirit filled me with power. Now, as you read through those, what you're going to see is in, in most of those cases, there was a supernatural sign that accompanied it. So either they spoke in tongues or they prophesied or, or the, the whole room where they were, were was filled with this mighty rushing wind. There were tongues of fire that came and separated on them. And this is where I, I can, you don't have to say it. I, I just, I've been doing this long enough. I know it. That's where the objection comes up of like, you said the Holy Spirit wasn't weird. Speaking in tongues is weird. Prophecy is weird. I, I, I was around somebody once that did that. I didn't like any part of it. I didn't know what they were doing. They tried to get me to do it. They were like, uh, move your jaw, repeat the syllables. The whole thing was weird. They were praying for me, and they kept pushing on my forehead, right? Like one person's yelling, let the rain fall, and one person's yelling, let the fire fall. And I, I just, I don't know which one we're supposed to do. The whole thing is confusing, you know, it's weird, and, and some of us, the, the weirdness of it is, is what causes us to move away from it. Here, my encouragement to you today is, is don't get caught up on do I speak in tongues or not. Don't get caught up on do I prophesy or not. The question you have to ask is, if Jesus said, I need the Holy Spirit, am I willing to say, Holy Spirit, come? Am I willing, like these men in Ephesus, to say, I, I haven't heard of that, but to allow someone has to place their hands on me and pray for me? And in that space, if, if the Lord chooses to fill me with power in a way that I speak in a language I do not know, am I willing to do that? It's not that I'm seeking that. It's not that, hey, I want to have that so I can check a spiritual box and, and be better than everyone else. But if Jesus says, I want to fill you with supernatural power, and that may be accompanied by supernatural signs, for some of us, if we're very just brutally honest, we read what the Scriptures say, We see the clarity with which they teach this idea, and yet our rejection is rooted entirely in our own pride. If I just, you know, Lord, if if you just could have made it like when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll get a small dot on your wrist. I'd be all for that. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be able to exegete the scriptures better than any. I'd be all over that. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll never cuss again. Like, could there not have been another sign or symbol of the Spirit's presence? And, and yet, as you read through the Scriptures again and again and again, you see this idea of God sends supernatural signs to confirm a supernatural work. And uh, this is separate from salvation, right? So it doesn't mean, like, don't believe any of those lies. Of, if you've never spoken tongues, or you've never prophesied, you're not saved. That's not true at all. At the moment of salvation, the Spirit bears witness with your spirit. 
But what we see in Acts is this idea of the Spirit comes in a supernatural way and he confirms it through supernatural signs. But again, my emphasis to you today and always is don't get caught up in how he's going to confirm it. Just get caught up in am I surrendering to it? Am I asking Jesus, I want the fullness of what you have for me. And if the scriptures say it, then I believe it and I'm going to seek it. And that's just kind of where we're going to settle, right? Now, now we have brothers and sisters in churches all over Tulsa and all over around the world today that they would uh, disagree with everything I've just said. And they would say, no, that was a gift only for the apostles, um, you know, and, and those gifts died out with the early church, and we can have some, some nuanced conversations with them, and, and I would ask them if they still pray for healing when they get sick, and some of these types of things, right? And, and, and so I, would, I come firmly to the idea of the gift of the Spirit is a gift for all of us all the time. But there are other believers who would say, yeah, but that, that second thing, that, that was just to get the church going. That's not for them. And, and I would tell them, hey, I love you. You're my brother and sister in Christ. We can join hands to build the kingdom. We disagree here, but it's not going to separate us. It's not going to cause us to lose fellowship. If you're here this morning, you think, I don't want any part of that. You are still welcome at Christian Chapel. We still love you. We want to worship with you. We can pray together. We can serve together. We can do all these things and more. But for as long as I'm the pastor at Christian Chapel, you will hear an unending invitation to surrender to the Holy Spirit. Because I believe it's what the scriptures teach and I believe it's the best thing I can give to you. Because you've got problems that I don't know about. I mean, I could have just left that at, you've got problems. (laughs) (laughs) Holy Spirit, I mean, I don't know how many times a week I pray that Holy Spirit come. I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know what to do with my own marriage. I don't know what to do with my own kids. I don't know what to do with my own finances. I don't know what to do with my own time. I don't know what to do with my own health. Every presidential election year as a pastor, I pray, Holy Spirit, come. Come, instead of gifts of tongues, gifts of silence. Like, just come. Come, shut mouths, right? Just come. But here's the thing. We've got problems. You've got problems I know about. You've got problems I don't know about. And the problems you don't know about and the problems that I don't know about are all spaces where we just need to say, Holy Spirit, come and work and move. Because I, I don't have the time, the energy, or the intelligence to give you five principles for every problem you're facing all of the time. But I know Jesus says when you surrender to the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. When you surrender to the Holy Spirit, he will glorify Jesus in every situation. When you surrender to the Holy Spirit, he will give you all that God has for you. And so the best gift as a church that we can give to you, the best gift that you can give to others is this gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised to us. And then Paul finishes in Galatians 5 by showing us the result of that gift. He says in Galatians 5 verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. For for 10 weeks, we've talked about what it looks like to seek Jesus first. You want to seek him first with your time. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to crucify your old passions and desires. You're going to crucify that desire to go crazy or to be lazy. And instead, you're going to surrender to the Spirit. Right? You're going to crucify your old passions and desires when it comes to your marriage. You're going to crucify your old passions and desires when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your work, when it comes to all of these areas and more. And for some of us, we have picked up the desire to crucify the flesh without the power that the Spirit gives. And when we do that, 
in the best case, we set ourselves up for frustration, but most often we just set ourselves up for failure. Because you're trying to do in your own power what Jesus intended only to be accomplished through the Holy Spirit. If you want to be the husband or the wife that Jesus created you to be, you need to surrender to him and receive his gift of the Spirit. If you want to redeem the time and use every moment to glorify him, you need to surrender to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit. And this, I, I just love that phrase, since we live by the Spirit. Again, Paul's, Paul's pointing us towards this idea. It is the Spirit who gives life through Jesus Christ. And you can, you can read the, the whole passage before there, and he lays out the works of the flesh versus the works of the Spirit. And it's a beautiful description. And when we read it, we would all say, I want the Spirit. I want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all of these things and more. So Paul says, well, if you live by the Spirit, then keep in step with the Spirit. And so, so if we keep in step with the Spirit, we will seek Jesus first. So again, you know, we've kind of used this idea of a to-do list. You have a to-do list with your time, with your family, with your finances, with your work. You have a to-do list at school, and you want to seek Jesus first in all of them. What Jesus teaches us in John chapter 16 and what Paul affirms in Galatians chapter 5 is if you want to seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, surrender to the Spirit. Because it's the Spirit who enables you to walk the path that Jesus has for you. It's the Spirit who reveals the path that Jesus has in front of you. And so you're just going to keep in step with him. And when I keep in step with him, I'm going to trust he can show me the order of my to-do list. He can show me where to put my energy. He can show me where to place my attention. He can show me what investments to make. He can show me where to push in more and where to, where to kind of withdraw a little bit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Life with Christ was not intended to be exhausting and difficult. It's intended to be life and life to the full, but that is only possible through the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. And so again, if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Spirit. If you've never prayed those prayers of, hey, I, I see this in scriptures, and Lord, I might not even fully understand it, but I at least want to give you a chance to do what you say you're going to do. And so this morning, I'm just going to invite you just to pray a very simple, come Holy Spirit. It's, it's not going to get weird. Nobody's going to manipulate. You know, nobody's sneaking up behind you to kneel down and try to push you over. None of, that, none of that's happening. We don't have a modesty cloth in the building. We don't have any of these other things. And if you don't know what any of that means, that's fine. That's a few less barriers for you. But the Holy Spirit is Jesus' gift to us. When we experience the Holy Spirit, we know we experience the Holy Spirit. He does touch our heart, our mind, our emotions. We, we physically feel his power and his presence. And so I don't know what your experience has been, but I know the gift that Jesus offers. And I know the difference that it's made in my life. And I know the difference it's made in the lives of so many others. And, and so this morning, if you'll stand with me, I want to lead us in a few prayers. You'll bow your heads and close your eyes. First, we're going to pray just a very simple prayer. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, as I pray, I'm going to encourage you just to pray with me. Jesus, we're here today, and you see those that you're drawing to yourself. They've never made the decision to surrender their lives to you. And this morning, Lord, your spirit is at work in their heart. You're turning their mind. You're turning their heart. They, they feel you in their guts, Lord, just drawing them into a new way of life. 
calling them to lay down these old patterns of sin, these old ways of death, all these things that aren't working, all the spaces where they've sought fulfillment and come up empty. And Jesus, in these moments, if that's you, it's just a very simple prayer of Jesus, will you forgive me of my sins? I receive you as my Savior and my Lord, and I take my place as your son and your daughter. And if you prayed that prayer, you are now in the family of God. And for those of you who are here and you've made that decision, and maybe you've experienced the power of the Spirit before, maybe you never have, maybe it's a totally foreign concept. My, my only request for you today is will you take your hands and just place them towards the ceiling? It, it means absolutely nothing. It's just a, a, a physical sign of our surrender to the Spirit. Jesus, we come to you today as a community of faith. We come to you as the body of Christ who surrenders the authority of our lives to the truth you've revealed in the scriptures. And we believe that you have revealed yourself to us as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We have seen in the scriptures that the Father gives to the Son, the Son gives to the Spirit, and the Spirit gives to us. And so we come and we pray, come Holy Spirit. Come and fill our hearts and minds with an experience of your power. Come and remove the doubt of your reality in our world and in our lives. We come and repent of our pride we come and repent of our hesitancy and we come to just say, Spirit, we need you. We need you to lead us in truth. We need you to glorify Jesus. We need you to convict us of sin and reveal righteousness. We need you to open up the doors of heaven and make available to us all that God has for us. Holy Spirit, will you come in your power today? Will you come and fill our hearts and fill our minds? In those spaces in your life that you, you know what they are right now, the spaces where you're exhausted, where you're worn out, where you're full of doubts and questions, where you don't see a path forward, I wanna encourage you right now, begin to pray personal prayers of invitation of come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come into our depression. Holy Spirit, come into our uncertainty. Holy Spirit, come into our fears. Holy Spirit, come into our homes. Holy Spirit, come into our jobs, come into our school. Holy Spirit, will you come into our insecurities and fill us with your power? Will you come into our weakness and fill us with your strength? Will you come into our bondage and fill us with your freedom? Will you come into our uncertainties and fill us with your faith? Holy Spirit, collectively and individually, we invite you to come. Come do what only you can do. Come glorify Jesus to us and through us. This morning, I just believe God is, is speaking specifically to a, a few of us who 
may be hesitant to embrace the work of the Spirit. And his message to you is the Holy Spirit is life to the full. The Holy Spirit is life in abundance. The Holy Spirit is the provision you're seeking and the peace that you're lacking. The Holy Spirit is the wisdom you're longing for. The Holy Spirit is the discernment that you need. The Holy Spirit is the patience you do not have. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God in every single situation you face this morning. And to surrender to the Holy Spirit is simply to surrender to the full experience of God right where you are. So Holy Spirit, come. We want the fullness of God. We want all that Jesus died to give us. We want to walk in your power and we want to walk in your peace. We want to know you in a personal and powerful way. Holy Spirit, will you come today and glorify Jesus in ways that we have never known or experienced, but that set us on a solid foundation, knowing not only are we your sons and daughters, but you have a purpose and a plan for this moment and for this season. You have not brought us as far to leave us or to forget about us, but your spirit is at work leading, guiding, providing. Holy Spirit, come. Speak and move to each individual. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.